0: The the folks that were earls and of of kind of high status sent all their sons
1: to these schools. You um, know, I just don't never thought of a people named Earl being smart enough to send their kids to. it's <laughs> because you're from Georgia. Yeah, most of the earls that I knew in Georgia, yeah, they, they
0: were visiting on the weekends. <laughs> I don't know. That they were-
1: Well, this, this is the kind of content that people tune in for. Right. So in. if you like this kind of content, you'll make love, sure you smash the subscribe love. button that you leave a review, five star review, give us five stars, like it, share it, subscribe, Jeff. What else? I don't and send know. Send it words. on our fax machine. Our send pod yeah. And if you want to fax. send send us a, a note on the we, fax machine. We'll read it out we will. right here. We have actually had some, and most of them were all about where is Matt Russell? And <laughs> I, the and I made the comment yeah. that you were in Cambridge lecturing in Cambridge.
0: Yes, I was <laughs> lecturing. So,
1: won't you tell us what you were lecturing about in Cambridge?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, I got invited back
1: to uh, to lecture and
0: actually preach three times in college. Um, so, um, so Clee Tinsley and I went and we talked about.
1: Cleve, our brother Cleve. Cleve's been here before.
0: Yeah, we uh, talked about kind of America, race relations, um, how to build a more equitable society, those kinds of things. And so um, we lectured three times in Trinity College. One time in uh, that was in um, was in Westcott, which was a seminary that Cambridge has, Westcott House, trains pastors or Anglican priests. Actually, has some Methodists there too. I ran into Trinity. Was that where did John Wesley go to one of those schools? Or he went to Oxford. Oxford. I think yeah. um, they're all the same. Yeah, they are to me. Yeah, but it was it was really great. And then we I preached in the morning on um, the first Sunday in Lent, and then Wednesday night uh, uh, or Sunday night I preached. They have a bunch of kids that aren't yeah. attached to church and stuff come, and so dude, I watched one of the is it a Vespers service? Uh-huh.
1: Or a compline. Did you send the did you put the link or cleave or somebody? No. Oh. Compline? Yeah. Well, where did I find it? You must have put it. You must
0: I didn't put anything up. I think somebody in my uh in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Bible. Well, it was on there. Yeah.
1: And I mean you did fine. But the <laughs> the boy is it was at the choir so it? It's so hard the, for him, is The chorus? So hard. The the choir? Oh. The kids' choir thing?
0: The college choir? They are oh, amazing. Oh my gosh. Dude. I mean it's next
1: level crazy. Yeah, that's like, you gotta go listen to that. And
0: song. the song that they sing right before I got up to preach was, they, you know, it's all Latin. And one of these one of these kids, 20-year-old, wrote a piece for the service on Wednesday night that was just like next level. Well, one guy was chanting, like yeah. Gregorian chant. Yeah, it's just incredible. It's beautiful. So what's your takeaway?
1: It, I mean, so you're talking about race relations united states of america i mean that, the context different same what do people say
0: yeah what's so, your
1: lessons learned
0: so we one of the one of the ethicists that we talked with, to is a guy named michael banner who i would love to invite on the podcast and after kind of um, you know america kind of blew up with george floyd a lot of folks across the world began to do kind of a an audit of their own historical roots and what Um, Did they benefit at all from the slave trade? And if so, how did they benefit? And if they benefited, is there a need to look at that uh, in a sober way and ask, um, how should we move going forward? And so we met with an ethicist there, M- Michael Banner, who's doing an audit of Trinity College, which is one of the oldest colleges in Cambridge. It's where um, it's where uh, Isaac Newton went, where um, Tennyson went to school. The, um, in fact, I was we went to the Ryn Library, where uh, right under the hallway of the Wren Library Libraries, where Newton worked out the speed of sound in this hallway where it, it echoes. And so um, there's this... a uh, um, and so he's asking in which way and how did Trinity at all um, prosper from the slave trade? And so he's doing a kind of a deep forensic dive, both kind of in terms of its history and now then its the, finances. Is the purpose just to
1: <clears throat> learn and study and learn from the history, or is there yeah. some other?
0: I think as an ethicist, he's because what what ended up happening right after kind of some of the the initial uh, dust up is that Trinity then sent a a quick memo and said, you know, we looked at our past and there's nothing to see here, and Banner said, um, let me do a quick Google search <laughs> and see if that's actually true. Or oh, anything, so they know. just
1: tried to say, hey, we we yeah. weren't involved
0: in you. yeah, and so as an ethicist, he said, I, you know, that's uh, let me could I could I write a response paper to it to the uh, to the master of the, of the college. And so he spent a couple of weeks just doing some research and found actually that there's kind of some massive connections that these folks had to that. And so they're wondering, you know, what, what is our response to that? How do we... Because it's a college that doesn't... I mean, it's, it really was set up for the sons, not and women were just allowed into Cambridge and Oxford in the last, uh, you know, I think, you know, 20, 30 years. So it's very new. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy, yeah, it's very. <clears throat> in fact, yeah, it and so it's. Um, I, 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 need to look that up. It's not far off of that. Um, um it's. Um, so they're a, they're attempting to to see how they can move differently in the world. You know, I don't think and and to see what what does it mean to be. I mean, Trinity owns half of England. You know, they own the O2 Stadium in London. There's this massive amounts of um, money that they own in England. These colleges, because they're so historic, and they owned all the land. You know, right? So gentry, the the folks that were earls and of of kind of high status, sent all their sons to these schools.
1: Um, and so, um, although um, you know, I just don't never thought of a people named Earl. Being smart enough to send their kids to,
0: it's because you're from Georgia.
1: Yeah, most of the earls that I knew in Georgia, yeah,
0: they weren't on. sending their they were they yeah. were they vis- were they were visiting on the weekends. I don't
1: know that they went to college, but anyway, go ahead. I mean, maybe different. It's cultural.
0: It's a different thing. Cultural yeah. thing. It's different. Yeah. Uh, and so these folks would send their their sons there, and that you know when Michael was doing just the the research on that, found kind of some deep connections to the slave trade. Um, and just asking, how did we benefit as a college and as a campus and what should our response be? Um, and so that's what he's, the work he's involved in right now. Um, and so, and we were actually invited back to help host a conference of academics there and some community organizers that are just saying, how do we limit? How do we move forward? What is the
1: best way forward to do that? And so, um mm-hmm. It's a, So you were, you've you been invited back already? Yeah. I you, wish I you, was an academic. Would
0: you come with us?
1: Oh, yeah. I, I would love for you. Uh, you would... I mean, I'm as smart as Earl is. Oh, yeah. I can go to you're,
0: you're a lot smarter than Earl. <laughs> yeah.
1: Matt Russell's way smarter than
0: I am. Um, no, no. Again, John, I've been around you a long time. You're brilliant. We just have a different
1: reading list. Yeah, I read... Uh, baseball inside baseball well you know
0: a lot more than i do about a lot of other things
1: well that's that's good and i'm glad you're back and uh today we just thought we'd kind of just chat for a few minutes about things going on in the world and some current events and catching up with you world traveler um I'm, I'm glad you still work here. I am too. I'd forgotten about you, actually. Uh, it's like a week or two. It only takes two, about a two. day and a half for you, though.
0: <laughs> you just move on. You're an eight. You're like, let's keep moving, folks. Is he dead? Is he
1: alive? Mad. We'll see. I saw Matt on Sunday. I was like, oh, you still work here? Yeah.
0: I was like, I was here last Sunday, bro. And
1: I was like, oh, good. Welcome back. <laughs> So uh, I have absolutely not much other than we've had in um, you know, the last couple of weeks. We were able to visit with we had Doug uh, Douglas Campbell, yeah, from, from Duke, Duke. <clears> throat> uh, throat> talking about guy. Paul. Huh. Fascinating stuff. I, I love his uh, his book, his works. I've used those when we travel, yeah. to uh, Greek yeah. Greece and to do the Paul journeys. Yeah. So yeah. it's interesting. I was with a guy recently. He's a he's a, cha- a Chapelwood guy, and he's like I started listening to the podcast. And I was like, great. Like, last week, did you hear Bishop Mjomek? He goes, no, I started back at number one. (laughs) I was like, really? And and I'm like, (laughs) I have not gone back to listen, but that's like oral oral history. Oh, it is. Because, you know, we started like right before COVID.
0: Yes. I mean, there's some crazy things that happen, like... Oh Remember yeah, like well I George told him. Floyd was no, I told him, we I told
1: him. I was like, "Well, just be careful." I said, yeah. "We are processing stuff in real time." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we the the George Floyd video had been released the morning we did a podcast
0: with with
1: Cleve. Cleve was with us. That's right. And he had heard but he hadn't seen it, and I said, "Do we and I had seen it." And I was deeply disturbed, and he's like, "I don't want to watch it." Yeah. He watched it ultimately, but he didn't want to watch it, and I don't blame him. No. I mean, it was deeply disturbing. So it was like we were processing this stuff in real time.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, So it is, in a way, like an oral oral history. Greg Taylor
0: had moved up to Minnesota like two weeks ago. Yeah, he was in
1: Minneapolis. Yeah,
0: right when that was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's interesting.
1: It's probably it would probably be good to go back and listen. COVID with Mark Boom. Yep. Yeah. In real we had, time. Oh wow. We had Mark on like four or five. Mark tonight. was Mark was the bomb. He was awesome. He was. And now you know what we should do. I'll, I, I we should have him in person. Come back yes. in person and like debrief.
0: Oh, Let's do that. That'd
1: be awesome. COVID. Yeah. Like lessons learned because yeah. he he shared. They've learned some lessons. The one. One comment he made the word he he used is that that when it happened again he he said they wish they had not been he used the word evangelistic, hmm. which I thought was interesting instead of just like let's just present the data, present the information, but it was you know I said, look, everybody was figuring this thing out in real time, yeah. right. no one really knew right but hey, so uh random interesting I have uh one like Very light, fluffy, uh, fun story. Okay. You tell me which one you want to start on. And then I have two that are a little bit heavier. Okay. And have to do with faith and religion.
0: Okay. I'm a seven, so let's start with the fun. Fun.
1: (laughs) So people may not know this, but in Houston, Texas, at the Houston Zoo... We have a 90-year-old tortoise, radiated tortoise. As radiated sounds like to me, like he's been radiated with... Yeah, right? With like gamma rays? Radiated tortoise, right? Okay. um, Which, uh, uh, they're from Madagascar, critically endangered species, numbers in decline. They expect that these tortoises will not exist in the wild very soon. Wow. Most all of them are in captive breeding programs. Well, apparently... Well, the tortoise's name is Mr. Pickles. Uh, apparently, oh, wow. it takes them a long time to have babies. Okay. So insert tortoise joke here. Um, uh, keep going. <laughs> All right. So it almost took him a century to become a father. 90, he's 90 years he's, old. Tom Thurman. Mr. Is Pickles is finally a dad. And now here's what's really interesting. His partner is 53. Whoa! So is he that legal? Is, no, I don't think so. It shouldn't be. I mean, that is <laughs> or is that a on. turtle years? Mrs. Pickles. I, I love how it's Mr. Pickles and Mrs. Pickles. So yeah. they had three hatchlings, and they named them Dill, get it, Pickles, I Gherkin, like and Jalapeno because we're Houston. Yeah, yeah. And there's a picture of them up there. I thought that was actually That's pretty, pretty great. fun. So. Oh, I just sweet. think it's fascinating that um they have been here in the zoo, Mr. and Mrs. Pickle, since nineteen ninety six
0: wow. whoa, wow,
1: and he's ninety years old, and he's a father.
0: Wow, I thought that was all
1: That's actually great. pretty interesting, huh. and the tortoises are going to be raised in the enclosure, like on the inside safe you know reptile right. house until they get big enough to move out with mom and dad, which in tortoise years could be like 20 years. Yeah. No idea. Yeah. Mr. Pickle, How long will Mr. Pickles live? I have no idea. Uh, Why don't you nice. Google that, Jeff? How nice. long yeah. does a radiated tortoise live? I think they live, they're like the longest.
0: How you like hundreds of
1: tortoise? years? Tortoise? T-O-R-T-I, if I'm over Radiated tortoise. How long do they live?
0: Oh, he's, he's 40 to 100 years. So, see, it's good he had kids
1: because he's at the end.
0: Well, look at that, though. The recorded lifespan is up to 188
1: years. Look at their wow. top speed 0. 0.5 kilometers per hour. So, on an, uh, so that, that was about as fun as I can get for <laughs> you. Wow. Was there any more fun news? The reason <laughs> is it's fun is because it's local news.
0: That is, that's fun. I always yeah,
1: wanted to be. See, I would, if I was going to work on a news channel, it'd be local news. Oh, yeah, yeah. Way well, less well, controversial.
0: Yeah, what, what would you work on a particular what do you want to do like human I would interest? want to be do the one that to... at
1: the end of any, every segment has to have some really corny line or joke about Oh, you be Astros awesome or I could the see tortoise. Like street beats street, you know? beats.
0: street Beats with, with John, John Stevens. Stevens. Yeah. yeah. With yeah. the Stevens. <laughs> I think that's awesome. All right, bring on the pain. All right, bring so on the pain. <laughs>
1: The pain, one, uh, both of these were in the news actually within the past month. One of them, I got uh, a couple of questions from church members about. The first one is not because it's a different denomination. And I just think it's interesting because, you know, we've talked about um, in our denomination how we're fighting over things, right? Yeah. With disagreement, we got to split over things. But there are certain things that we fought over previously that we kind of just don't fight over anymore. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it pops up that, and the reason it made news is because there's a church in California, Saddleback. Oh yeah, it's huge, massive. That's Rick, Rick Warren. Warren's. If you've ever read, was it the Life uh, Purpose, Purpose Driven Purpose, Life? Purpose Driven Life. You know, huge best-selling book. People read it. It became this like massive thing. Put him on the map. He grew the church. I mean, they have like 16 campuses, 30,000 yeah. people yes. in a worship a weekend. This is not a small mom no. and pop operation. This is a big deal. And so, and they're Southern Baptist. Yep. SBC, Southern Baptist yep. Convention. Now, people just need to know those churches are independent, but they are part of a, a group convention. and. The Southern Baptist Convention decided to kick out Saddleback, their second largest church. Yeah. They kicked them out. Or the word they use um, literally, where is it? Um, Expelling, I don't know the word they use exactly, but it's something about, they disfellowship them.
0: Disfellowshipping. Mm. Yeah, excommunicating, yeah. Yeah.
1: So what was interesting, and the reason they did this is because they have a woman pastor. Finally. (laughs) That's crazy, dude. Yeah. So actually, um, several years ago, I found this interesting. I was always reading about it. But in 2021, Rick Warren himself ordained three women as pastors in the church. They didn't disfellowship them then. But he retired last year. And they received a new pastor. I think his name is... um, Scott, where's his name? Andy Wood. It Wood, yeah. Um, Yeah. And he and his wife are both pastors, and she is a teaching pastor. And she is... I think the thing that maybe set it off is that she preached on a Sunday morning or taught on a Sunday morning. You have to be careful if you use the right words. She was teaching. Maybe not preaching, but they decided that Saddleback was now deemed not in friendly cooperation with the convention, not in friendly cooperation, which is their way of kicking them out. Yep. Um, I didn't know. Oh, Well, so I, it's it's interesting that, and I, I don't mean to bring this up in any way. I certainly don't want to poo poo on another church. Heck, we got our own issues, but we have our own. I do bed. think. I do think it. Uh, I do think it opens the door to just say, "Man, we we are really good at just fighting about crap." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And dividing over crap. That in the grand scheme of things, someday when you get in heaven, I'm just wondering how big a deal.
0: I just wonder if Jesus. Do you think just Jesus like,
1: is going to go? I, you know, really was bothered that you allowed women to be preachers? Yeah, no.
0: Well, I, I, particularly after, as you've just had Campbell on, we're talking about Paul, that in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female. Like there's this deconstruction of all of those things based within the human construction of hierarchy, because the Spirit creates a new hierarchy, right? And so it's it's interesting to me that often I think <clears throat> churches do things like this and create a distraction. The I mean, again, I don't want to... Poo-poo on these folks, but they, the Southern Baptist Convention has had a massive issue
1: uh, on sexual impropriety and abuse within their ranks. Well, and, and and covering it up, yeah, or downplaying it or dismissing it, not having adequate accountability and no. supervision.
0: It's been horrible, and the way that they then have really the victims of that have been the one to bear the blame and the brunt of that. And so I think you continue to, to subjugate women. Like it's it's becomes really a, I think it's a, a bigger issue than
1: if you think about a big part of the accountability too um, when you are a church call it denomination but when you're a church where every church is independent and answerable to no one else oh. other than being disfellowshipped or whatever you call this you you can handle every situation the way you want when you're in a um, a hierarchical kind of denomination, like the Catholic. Well, I was going to say Catholic. They didn't really done a good job.
0: <laughs> no, the they accountability. Didn't.
1: <laughs> there you go. So I guess, um, I guess I don't know, it's, it's all a matter of are you willing to live under the rules that you have. Right. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. But I do think, <clears throat> I do think having an accountability structure, whether you're an independent church or in a denomination, is important. It is just interesting. I mean, um. The pastor there, as you said, uh, uh, was his name? Andy Wood? Uh-huh. He said, the church should be a place where both men and women can exercise spirit, their spiritual gifts. My wife has the spiritual gift of teaching, and she's really good. People often tell me she's better than me when it comes to preaching, and I'm really glad to hear that. Mm. That's what he said.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting to me that like, where does that come from in in the human kind of part of us that wants to say this group of people, whether it's male, female, white, black, Hispanic, whatever, those people cannot do these things, right? And it feels like that that's just an absolute, like, disgusting lack of understanding the Spirit and the way that the Spirit moves and what the Spirit does. And I don't think you can read the New Testament and see what the Spirit did in the New Testament and hold that. So that has to come from a different place within the, the, the human heart.
1: Yeah, if you go back and listen to Douglas Campbell last week, talk about women in the church, he yeah. makes it. He's, he's like Paul makes it very clear he doesn't have a problem with women speaking in the church. No. He just there was a certain way things were going on contextually there. Um, that's interesting. So there, there are other churches they voted out as well. Four there were five other churches. Four over the issue of women as pastors and one over the issue of sexual abuse. Um, The five who were ousted for having women pastors, they said, have been valued cooperating churches for many years, and this decision was not made lightly. However, we remain committed to upholding the theological convictions of the Southern Baptist Convention and maintaining unity among its cooperating churches. Now, on the other side, uh, you've got this guy um, McKissick. It's his first name. Um, He is an African-American pastor in Dallas, Fort Worth, Dwight McKissick. And he's a Southern Baptist pastor. And this was his response to all of this. He said, I'm burdened by the attempt to disfellowship Saddleback for this very reason. It's not about Scripture or adherence to Baptist Faith and Message 2000, which is kind of a book of rules. It does not address women's ordination or women serving as associate pastors. He said it's driven by power, yep. male supremacy, <clears throat> and it stinks in the nostrils of God. Come on. So we just let the Baptists speak to the Baptist things. But I, I it's pointed out not for any other reason than to say, you know, and I wish it's just yep. why is it that the church seems to be and we just get it. Just can't seem to get it right on living together with differences. Yeah, we just keep breaking and breaking and breaking and breaking and breaking. Yeah, the smaller and smaller pieces. To well, ultimately, your only option is independent. Right, me, wholly owned and me. operated by me. <laughs> me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I wonder if that's really if if that's like the the problem is that we don't want to be in relationship with each other. I don't want to have to. I don't want to have to surrender my sense of control and self to you as a brother in Christ. And as we take each other's hands and walk forward together with difference of opinions, but knowing that like the main thing has to be the main thing. And how many of these churches are really concentrating on secondary issues and making them primary? And it's like, a, it's like those old mobiles in, in a kid's room. If, if you take the, the outside piece and try to make it the center, everything gets mixed up. And so the main thing has to be the
1: main thing. And I think most of the
0: denominational things, whether it's our own or others. It's
1: just, it also amazes me, and, and we United Methodists are just as bad, but that you've got the executive super, super, super council. We did not consider this lightly. We spent a lot of time talking about these five churches yeah. and whether or not to kick them out because they have women pastors. Yeah. I'm like, there was nothing else mm. that you could have spent it? time about. And
0: I guarantee you, on the council, every single one of those dudes are dudes. <laughs> well, of course they are. <laughs> I wonder how, if there were other churches that had sexual abuse that they didn't kick out. Oh, y- yes. You know? Because for years, people were coming to this Southern Baptist Convention saying these are the issues that are happening within our churches, and they were turning a blind eye, they were moving pastors
1: around, they were, you know... Well, if you want to do a little extra side reading on this, the Houston Chronicle... Yes. uh, ...actually broke huge, massive stories of of Baptist churches in Texas... Oh, wow. ...that were were consistent issues that were consistently covered up, and some of those churches are some really big, well-known churches. Yeah. Now they have their side of the story, but um, anyway, let's move on. I don't want to bash <sighs> br- Baptist. <laughs> our
0: fax machine is going to blow if we start <laughs> keep talking about Baptist. Fax
1: machine. <laughs> well, well, bash, bash. Let's bash the Church of England. <laughs> Come
0: next. on, I mean,
1: I'd go there. These, these are our these are our ancestors, right? Yeah. Church of England. So this news story came out. And it was in the Made the Wall Street Journal. And of course, when anything makes the Wall Street Journal, it's be uh, there's gonna be some members at Chapwood that are gonna send it to me because this is apparently the official newspaper of Chapwood United Methodist Church, the Wall Street Journal. So I get this thing, and it's about um, Church of England explores gender neutral God. Now, this is gonna be very controversial. Don't turn it off yet. Uh, the podcast, because I think uh, my take on this is probably going to be not in alignment with the Church of England, Uh, kind of and not. Because uh, what they said is Christians have recognized since ancient times that God is neither male nor female. But the United, uh, you know, the, the Church of England, uh, will now, they are studying, they're looking into the use of gender-neutral gender terms to refer to God in prayers. But the century-old institution said on Wednesday there were no plans to abolish current services or change the, the litany at this point in time. So this is just something that they are talking about. Um, and so here's here's kind of the thought process. This is coming out of and instigated by cultural appropriations or cultural things Mm -hmm. so there are people who are um pained because uh, of gender what's the term what do you call this what do you mean what mean? What, what do you just call the thing when people struggle with their gender classification is there a term for that whatever that Discovery. whatever that is now yeah. it used to be so it, there's a growing a growing awareness about the usage of pronouns causing offense to some people and making some folks upset and not identify with the gender that they were assigned to birth this is shown up in politics you know where you know you, the sporting events and schools and bathrooms and everything else right. all right so let's elevate this conversation a little bit because the cultural stuff Often, what, what the lesson here for me, and then we'll be done. The lesson for me, I think that's the struggle, is that the cultural stuff gets pushed into the church. And then the church is forced to have a conversation on cultural terms, using cultural language with cultural rules. Sure. <clears throat> and what people don't understand as they're coming, being more formed by the culture than they are by Scripture or history or theology or whatever you want to call it, systematic theology, they're formed by the culture. So they're coming into the church, having a conversation from the culture, using the culture language, culture rules, culture, everything. And they've, they already picked a side on that thing. Then when you start having the conversation from a theological perspective, it makes people's heads explode. And the reason I say this is I remember a couple years ago, whatever, um, we were talking about this and I was teaching on Genesis and we were talking about being created in the image of God, mm. male and female, He created them, and how in Christian history, not just yesterday, not just since the issues around cultural gender identification, but forever, God uh, has been referred to in both the Old Testament and, and, and there's been language referred to God that He uses masculine identification, but also feminine characteristics and identification. That's right. And it's understood that God is a spirit, and God doesn't have gender. But what happens is some people get mad because, well, it says in the Bible, God's a man, God's father. So therefore, God is male. And what people don't understand, having a theological conversation, right, is that, well, yes, God is referred to as male because when the Bible is written, God has authority... And the only gender that has authority and power to be ascribed to it would be the masculine. Right. Women were property. And so you couldn't ascribe, you couldn't say God's a woman. You couldn't say God is a she. Now you can use, uh, um, you know, there, there are places where in the Proverbs and in Psalms where there are feminine characteristics ascribed to God. Like a like, a like a mother hen who yeah. gathers her mm-hmm. chicks. Like uh, there's, there's a lot of these sorts of, of images. Right. And so I think when you say to someone, I remember I said, said, well, you know, God doesn't really operate on those levels. God's not genderized like we think, right? And so they they thought I was declaring that God somehow was using the cultural appropriation, gender neutral, they, them whatever, you and should, I'm like, no, yeah. that's not the language we're talking about. You, you see what I'm... The point I'm making is like, there's a cultural set yes. of language yeah. and, and thought process, and when you transport that into historical, critical theology and wrestling with theology, you'll even find some of the most conservative historical theologians that, it, that, that sort of expound on this principle that, that God is not right. male or female. Right. This is not just something I came up with or somebody came up with last week or some gender appropriation study came up with. This is consistently throughout history. And then people say, well, Jesus referred to God as Father. Yes, and I, I remember in seminary, Gail, Gail O'Day used to talk about this because she, she tended to be a little bit more progressive and feminist in some of her interpretations. And there was one of the girls in our classes who refused to refer to God as Father But we were in the Gospel of John class, and she basically came out of her seat like upset because even though she came at it from a more feminist perspective, she said the relationship defined between father and son is extremely significant. Huge. Because you have to understand the relationship between father and son in the days and the times in the context of Jesus. Hmm. So there's an authority, there's a relational aspect that's being defined that... Um, she was not willing to give up the use of father as it relates to Jesus referring to father in the gospel of John. So I say all this because, and then I want you to speak to this, but I say all this because I think what happens is, I think some some people read this article and they sent it to me and they're like, see, see? there's the woke, woke agenda in the church and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, yes, part of what's initiating this conversation in the church of England, they admit is some of the cultural um, usage of pronouns and all that sort of stuff yeah. that's bleeding into that. But there's a deeper theological conversation around who God is, God as spirit, um, created in the image of God, male and female, characteristics, the way God's defined in Scripture and right. understood in Scripture, that that lead to a much deeper conversation about the character and quality of God sure that then you can't get to because right. all the cultural crap
0: is in a way is right. raining down on this right. thing right
1: and and my response is like you know good news for us is uh, God's way bigger than our language our language has only ever limited God right it's never really given the fullness of right. of God so I say that because that was an interesting sort of modern critical uh, thing that kind of sets some folks off. Yeah. And I can appreciate how the Church of England is trying to wrestle with it, but what, what I think from the way I read the article is they're trying to have the best of both worlds. They're trying to have a deeply historical theological conversation, but being steered by modern appropriations of gender language. Yeah,
0: that's interesting. And I
1: think those, you have to be able to say, okay, Separate there's two those. things going on here. Yeah, yeah. And they're not the same things. That's right. We're not just going to refer to God as they and them because culturally it's offensive for you. There's a theological statement of right. this. I mean, what right. gender is the Holy Spirit? I mean, Jesus' gender is pretty clear historically. Sure. I mean, it's a man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you, you, I'm <laughs> yeah, agreeing with that. Yeah, yeah as a man, yeah. and there are people who want to say, "Well, no, it, it's it, it is no, because again, he was circumcised in order day. for in order for that um, in order for the uh, the forgiveness of our sins, the Son of God. It's significant that it's the Son of God because of the time and the place where Jesus comes. The daughter of God wouldn't worked. That that's going to be very controversial to say that. Hmm. I, but it, and you may disagree with this, but I'm just telling you culturally, a daughter, a woman, I mean, doesn't have any rights, privileges, the efficacy. I mean, I st- you start to get into the historical unpacking of this thing.
0: Yeah. I, I think that all that I would—it's—it's it's interesting to me that like so the King James version of the Bible um, was really authorized by obviously by King James in England. Um, they no longer use the King James version of the Bible in um, the Church of England. They use the Authorized Translation of the Bible, and a lot of that came about because um, they found that historians and one of those. I worked in a in a church called Saint Edward's King and Martyr when I was in England. One of those, the principals in that church historically was one of the translators of the King James version of the Bible, and so when they did the Authorized version, they began to see that that the um, the folks that translated the Bible into the. You know, Septuagint into the King James Version were having to choose words um, out of their own culture, and where there was maybe two or three other different options, they chose the ones out of their own culture that made the most sense to the folks in their culture, right? Mm -hmm. And so, as we have more access to kind of both understanding of historical criticism and kind of other kind of uh, resources, we can go back. The authorized transversion was written to begin to say, hey, if you had options to choose a word, why would they choose this one over the two or three others? Is there a better one to choose? And so the authorized version came out of that that understanding that we have There's, in linguistics, there's choices of words. Mm -hmm. And so in the King James Version, where they'd only use he to describe God, if it's general neutral, if it's God's self rather than God, they'd go back and they'd they'd add the word God rather than he, Mm -hmm. right? And so we don't get our boxers in a bundle over that understanding that historically and linguistically, there's always choices that are based on concepts. And I think you're right.
1: Yeah. No, you, 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 are, you're, you're, you were on the same page. Yeah. There were translations that changed and people automatically like, oh, it's so liberal, it's whatever, because they changed pronouns. But what would happen is when the word in the original language meant humanity, yes. we would translate it mankind. mankind or he. Or right? he, yes. right? Instead of loosely men.
0: Yeah, them, all people. Right? Goyim, so, all people.
1: For God so loved. So you see translations that would change it to either them or he slash she, because it did, that's what it meant. But wherever it said, like when Jesus said father, they didn't change that to parent. No. That's the point we're making. So whenever the father was used for the purposes of ascribing the authority and the relationship That was in the original text. They kept it. But whenever that language was more general use, and then there was an interpretation decision made to make it he or man or mankind it went back and got changed, and all of a sudden people were like, you're changing my Bible. So actually, no, you're actually making it more connect, more accurate to the original language. Right,
0: right. And I, and I think all of this, to go back to what you were saying too, John, I think all of this is based in relationship. And I think it also really behooves us to think that there are some relationships between fathers and their kids that are deeply, deeply abusive, traumatic, and problemat- problematic. And that God transcends any of those relationships, can redeem all relationships, but you don't have to adopt a gendered language to God because if God is love, if God is spirit, then all of those things are Um, are transcended based on something that doesn't categorize God in a relationship where you are either abused or there was a lot of pain that happened. Now, healing can happen so that those names can be redeemed, those relationships and those categories can be redeemed. But I think anytime we get in a fight over the gender of God is really just
1: about our own ideas of God. God is mystery at the end of the day. God is love at the end of the day. Well, and that was the reason I brought that story up, because I think it leads, you know, people have to be careful to pull this out and say, "Yeah, see, you know, the church is woke, church is liberal. Like, we've been having conversations around this stuff for 2,000 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, since we've been trying to figure out words. This is not like all of a sudden, but I do see in the way that they're dealing with it is sort of pulling in and appropriating certain more recent cultural... Uh, terminology rooted in yeah. some of the 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 struggle that we're trying yeah. to figure out with yeah. this gender yeah. stuff, and and that I think may be helpful for them, or it may it may be the wrong way to go. That's the point I'm making. Is yeah. I don't know when we when we try to cross those streams between yeah. a modern way we look at this within the last thirty seconds in in. Yeah. In comparison to two thousand <laughs> years, you know, that, this yeah. conversation's yeah. happened for thirty seconds yeah. for two thousand years yeah, right. worth of experience, and yeah. yet we're now, we're we're looking through everything through that lens. I think that's where I'm. I be mean, honest with you, man. I, I I I go back and think how my liberal arts education, with a degree in Middle East history, uh, minor in philosophy and religious studies, you know, really did nothing more than help me to be curious and ask questions. Right. Right. And have an appreciation for the people who came before us. Yes. And a lot of people nowadays, they don't know what in the world happened before yesterday. They were born
0: before TikTok, right? (laughs) I mean, that's why I think that... And you and I have talked about this here. I think this part, what I love about being in this staff here as well is that... like. One of the spiritual disciplines that we cultivate in this community really well is the spiritual discipline of curiosity, Mm -hmm. which is also where the word cure comes from. We can't be healed. We can't be healers. We can't be a community of healing if we're not curious. Um, and I think that's, that really is the threshold to all kind of awareness and freedom.
1: You can't even say you have liberal arts education anymore. Because it has right? liberal yeah, in it's, it. It's liberal. But you have to say, I have a conservative arts education. <laughs> no, I can get behind that all day long, John. I have a conservative arts education. That's what I'm going to start saying. America. America. Hell Yeah. And the other thing that people don't know history is that there is, you know, uh, from from political history, if you go back to Locke and others, it's liberal conservative. It's liberal democracy. Yes, what we are is defined academically as a liberal democracy. Because
0: liberal means open. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not.
1: It's not taking. I think I I told you that. What's the What's the secret Hitler? Do you know this game? No, I don't need to. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Godwin's Law. Any conversation, ultimately, we'll get to Hitler and the Nazis. No, there's this game, and it's sort of like uh, the werewolf game where, you know, you hand out the cards, and somebody's Hitler, and, and some people are the Nazis, and okay. some people are the liberals. And okay. So they have these characters. Well, my nephews put this out at Thanksgiving, and of course, you know, they're from Georgia, and they're passing it out. It's so, okay. You're either going to be a, a Nazi, or you're going to get a card, my daughter's And he says, Somebody's gonna be Hitler, and then you're either gonna be a Nazi or a liberal. And my nephews are like, I'm not a Nazi, but I sure ain't no liberal. (laughs) That puts people in a quandary right there.
0: I'm like, (laughs) if that's your quandary. And I'm
1: sitting over there, and they're like, What is this game? That game, I can't believe that you brought that game to Thanksgiving. (laughs) It's got liberals and Nazis, they're all bad guys. And I'm sitting there going, Oh my God. we got no one who knows anything about history. History, right? Poor Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Right? He was a liberal.
0: Who would have known?
1: The confessing church. Yeah. They were just, well, I won't go there. We are done having productive conversation. Can we just stop? (laughs) Yes, we're done whenever y'all are done. And I'm Matt Russell. (laughs) That's how we end it today. (laughs) And John Stevens. And this is... God have mercy.